for example, a regular business will have a regular work car. That wasn't our case. Our work car was our home car. It was the one where we used for everything. So we, so Hispanic business is different that way from regular, say, American businesses that aren't family focused. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Warrior Queen Project podcast. This week, we have a wonderful, amazing young woman, Erica Ruby Crioli, as our guest. And we want to share with you her story, her amazing story, because she is an outstanding student from Adelphi and is a student both of political science and law. She has been on the dean's list has been the recipient of scholarships and has achieved so much more and beyond that of just being a recipient of outstanding awards. And I want to share her story, her life story, her family story with us so that she can inspire other young men and women to move ahead and strive in America. So welcome, Erica. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. Well, we'd love you to share your story, Erica. To begin with, how old were you when you came to this country? Um, I was born in this country, uh, but my mother uh, came when she was 19 years old, and the rest of my siblings were not born here. I'm the only one um, that was fortunate enough to be born here. Um, my other siblings came when they were much older, in their late teens. So I, alongside them, have learned about their struggles, trying to learn English, trying to um, get used to the school system here and things of that sort. Wonderful. So obviously another warrior is your mother, because for her to make that journey, if you would share with us how she made this journey, how she was able to educate you, And what her struggles were, because those are the best stories we've seen. And her journey as an immigrant who has this amazing, successful daughter. (laughs) Yes, um, I'm so happy to share because I am truly proud of where I come from. I'm truly proud of her. And um, every day I try to make her proud of me. So that's what uh, I dedicate my life to. Um, So to start, my mother came when, um, when she was very young. My father first came mm-hmm. um, to the United States, to New York, and he tried to make uh, money working construction. And he sent money for my siblings who were just little, just below 10 years old. Um, wow. Yeah. And so my mother, she had to immigrate because my family was not doing well. My grandmother was struggling. Um, alongside my siblings, it was also her own children. So it was just her, the matriarch, and these children that she had to take care of and she could not do it by her on her own will how old was she uh i asked her just recently right after our meeting and she was around um, 21 so 21 year old comes to this country with little children and and what was the first job that she did first job she did she worked in waitressing and she did uh very well in that um i think she loved um not only was it um a good option for her as a job because it worked late nights 
and she could have many hours stacked on top of that. But um, she enjoyed the social aspect of it. She loves serving people. She loves um, hearing their stories. And she also loves um, making food as well. So that's what she loves. Too. She's, a, she's an adventurer, just like me. I can see that. And I, I've heard that you're a great cook and so is she. So tell me a little about uh, her business and the business that you both share. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she started um, her cooking business um, when I was around 12 years old. I remember my mother, uh, she would pick me from middle school and she would sell tacos in a little basket for a dollar. Um, they were um, just plain potato tacos, plain meat tacos. And she would go around the park asking everyone, um, dollar tacos, dollar tacos, dollar tacos. And I remember working alongside her and um, it wasn't weird to me it wasn't something to be shameful of I was it was just my mom doing her job and I appreciate for it I would help her carry the cooler for sodas and drinks and we'd go around the park I would invite my friends after school to um to play because uh, my mother didn't have enough time for to have a separate you know work and play with her um daughter so right. I would kind of combine it together we would play in the park and my mom would sell and it, we would just work like that and so that was my first experience watching her business. And then as it grew, um, I had to raise my little brother um, to help out my, my mom. And mm -hmm. then when I was 15, I started, um, we joined, we, she finally had a food stand. Um, so we had a park and there was a clear concrete um, layout so that she could put a volleyball nets. And so there she put three volleyball nets, her food stand, um, a big, a big two burners and a table some chairs and it was made into her own food stand and uh she worked alongside there with my with three of my brothers mm -hmm. and they did really well then my sister joined in and i joined it at age 16. um from there it was a very difficult experience um trying to understand the the, the kind of environment that i was in i had to learn a lot from my mother it was very difficult even serving a plate of food wow. because you're just so unskilled at that time and I, at that time I was very um, kept inside my home and I would say uh, not as socialized so I was very shy I was very shy I had <laughs> I had a lot of struggle to serve the serve the customers help translating at that point I was just translating for my mom I was not traveling for other people um, so it was a hard time uh, but then I learned that I loved hearing people's stories. I love, I love seeing regular customers come to the tent and I know their orders. I know them already. I know their little children. I know their husbands. I hear their stories and I loved it a lot. I would rush back and forth. I love the adrenaline of, you know, having five orders at once and then wow. serving them all and then charging right up front. My mom had to teach me a lot. Uh, <laughs> her biggest headache was, um, trying to teach me how to charge correctly because I learned <laughs> in Spanish. It was very difficult. Like the, like, saying $60, $70, it was, you know, it says 70, 60, and I was always confusing it. And you speak such <laughs> good English now, so it's hard to imagine that there was a time that you were uh, struggling to learn, but it seems you actually learned hands-on on the job. The, you didn't need to go to a business school program. I mean, this oh, is definitely. like the best uh, lesson you could have got of, of actually working hands-on with computer, you know, with customers and uh, charging them and learning how a small business can turn into a larger business. 
and and yes. I'm I'm sure you could uh, give many a tip, uh, you know, to others who are now doing this within the community. So is your uh, is your family now taking this to the next step? Is this um, now a larger business? Um, my mom did attempt to make it a larger business with my stepfather. He's also a chef. He's Mexican, so he makes Mexican food, and he's very skilled in that aspect. So together, they they were inspired to start their own restaurant. My mom's dream was always to have her own restaurant. Um, wow. So they're... Yeah, so the restaurant it was called Francesco's. It served Italian food um, because my my stepfather um, also had um, knowledge in that Italian food. It served pizza, pasta. It served um, Ecuadorian food, and it served Mexican food. So it was uh, like all in one, like what they knew, what they gathered from their life here, and into a restaurant. And it was really beautiful. I loved it so much. It was um, it was de- decorated beautifully. Art on the walls, red walls, um, a beautiful kitchen. It was all that um, she ever wanted. Um, unfortunately, it was very high rent. And the lo- location that they chose was in Brooklyn, but it was a very secluded area. And there was a lot of restaurants around. So there's a lot of competition already. So it was very hard for them to advertise, try to learn themselves. Like their only um, helpful person for them was my older brother who, and I was 15 at times, so I couldn't help that much. Right. My older brother, um, he helped them make flyers. He helped them print it out on his own printer at home. He couldn't print them out. Um, he didn't know yet, like in a big manufactured way. So he tried with his best on his own editing on his computer and tried to put the pictures in for the menu. But it was still, we had Grubhub, we had everything, but it was still to no prevail because um, it was still, people wouldn't come up and show up. So it's very hard to advertise when you don't know anything about business. You don't know like an advertisement. And what I learned so far in like my business classes at, at my university, I'm so lucky to take um, Spanish for the um, for business professionals. And there I learned that for in the Hispanic society communities and even in Latin America today, um, there's a lot of emphasis on family businesses. Right. Um, you know, the family is a work unit. Yes. So and during those times, even though that is very helpful to have people you are reliable to that are loyal to you. It also does not help you um, set boundaries correctly. So, for example, a regular business will have a regular work car. That wasn't our case. Our work car was our home car. It was the one where we use for everything. So we, so Hispanic business is different that way from regular, say, American businesses that aren't like family focused. Um, they were very united and in different ways. So it was all interconnected. And in that way, my, when my mom would order my brother to peel potatoes, do this, clean that um, without any restriction. There was also like a lot of um, friction between the two of them in the relationship. And so it did cause a lot of issues. And as I grow older and I'm into, and I'm going to college and I learn all these concepts of why the business didn't work out, why, why Hispanic communities are the way they are socially, right. how right. they act. I, I learned a lot from them. I can analyze my own, my own, um, my own issues and my family's. And so that's how they learned. And unfortunately the, the business went um, went down, they sold the place. Um, and now my mom still works at the food stand. And even though it was a huge loss for her, she has stated that um, she wanted to use that restaurant money to get a house for us. That's her dream, right? To get a nice right. house for the whole family, white picket fence. She used that money and risked it on the business and the business went bad. So I did see 
my mom fail. And it was the first time I saw my mom fail um, with my own eyes. I saw the progression. And still today, I see her so happy, so excited, so determined still to put that food stand again, even though it's a step, a huge step back. We're still in that food stand and we're still there every day um, trying to connect, trying to connect with people and customers and trying to sell the best food we can. Um, everyone loves and everyone loves my mom's cooking. They love well, her that's amazing. But listen, yeah, and, but, that's not a mm-hmm. failure. It's failure is the first step towards success. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. the first one one you learn in business school that that, you know, there's so many components that that make uh, things work or not work. It's timing, it's socioeconomic, which is where I want to bring you to is how did you, your brother, your mother, your family go through this COVID period of two and a half years? Oh, yes, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) So while we were still in the food stand, everything was well. Oh, my goodness. I can't explain to you how busy we were. I did not sit down, I think, for three hours before COVID because I was serving, um, serving, uh, cashing in the money. I was hustling full time. It was wonderful because it felt so exhilarating to see your hard work being put in your hands and you can feel it (laughs) physically. And I loved it. I love working. But at the same time, then COVID happened. And then that stopped everything we were doing. We were scared um, for what would happen to our business. At first, we were not even knowledgeable. Um, as we had the food stand up and as COVID was happening, people were like, right. hey, I heard of this new disease. People were spreading. We don't know if it causes this. We don't know if it, if it causes this. People are dying. I, I heard these conversations um, in the food stand. Spanish speaking, people were in the tent talking. They were not sure. They said they had a lot of misinformation from Facebook that that these COVID things could not be translated. They did not understand the implications of it and how dangerous it was. And so my mother didn't understand either. It was very hard to translate that too to them saying, mom, we have to get vaccinated. Mom, we have to protect ourselves. So it was very hard for that. And then once we officially, you know, learned of the risk, people weren't coming. People weren't coming to our foods anymore. We could not be trusted because the food we made was handled outside. And despite masks, people were not attracted. And so then we closed it down officially. And when we did close it down, we also got COVID. It was first, I believe, my sister. Then I caught on to it. Um, Then my little brother. Then my mother. Then my brothers. So we were all in the house for a good month, completely enclosed with making no income. And after that, we didn't stay outside for another month just to make sure that nothing was contaminated and it was very hard uh, we didn't have income we didn't pay rent yeah it was a very sad time because it was also another stress on my family how are we going to pay bills I was worried about school I wasn't paying attention in, in school I just couldn't because I saw how my family was I thought to myself I need to get another job I can't sit still I can't so it was very hard hard trying to navigate all of those issues at once that does sound very, very difficult, especially because it wasn't like it happened for a month. It was two whole years and more, and we're still seeing the repercussions. And mm-hmm. uh, you went through Adelphi through that period, correct? Yes. Um, it was very hard. At first, I thought, oh, more spring break, right? Oh, a time to like relax, 
because right. they closed the schools. Mm, it was not like that at all. <laughs> no. Um, um, so they shut down the schools. Um, fortunately, my teachers were very kind to us during that semester of when we first heard of COVID. Right. They were, they were very accommodating. But then the year that we had to act normal, act like we were in class while we were in our while I while we were in our tables at home, it was very hard because my house is very busy. My house does not have one quiet moment. <laughs> I cannot take my studies fully seriously and it's very really, I cannot concentrate at all. And on top of that, I want to mention that my little brother, their school also closed down. So I for all these years I was like a second mom to my little brother. I raised him. And so I do love him a lot. And I also had to become a school teacher because my mom didn't understand how to work the computer, um, how to do his assignments for basic math and reading because my mother had to drop out, I think, at the third grade to help support right. her, her own mom's business and food. So I had to be the teacher for my little brother and a teacher for myself too, you know, self-learn. So what what I hear is how your mother was supporting her mother and that was, you know, the way families did. But then you mentioned there was friction if, say, your brother had to support your mother. Do you think that that was more because of being in America and the way of living here and uh, everyone's uh, personal rights are in conflict with the mm. traditional family Spanish way of living. I ask this question, you know, because I see a lot of that around me. Yes, 100% right on the, the dot. Um, so in Ecuador, my, it was a lot of self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice yes. for your family was a big thing. You could not go against your family at all. Uh, my mother, um, I remember her telling me this sad story when she was, when I got into Adolfi, she said, I, I told my mother that um, I wanted to go to high school, that I wanted to go to high school and wear the uniform to carry the books. I wanted to do everything that my other friends were doing. Um, and I had high goals. I wanted to succeed like I was succeeding in uh, primary school. Right. And my grandmother told her, I'm so sorry, but I'm not able to provide you with that kind of um, education because I cannot afford it. I need help working. I We have you have uh, four other little siblings that need to be taken care of. I'm sorry, but I can't do it. I can't let you go to high school. And even though she was very sad, she didn't tell my my grandmother that. She said, okay, I understand. I'll help you. And so she sacrificed a huge part of her that could have helped her so much here in America. And uh, can I just mention this big news? Uh, my yes. mother is now studying for a GED. Wow, that is <laughs> <Yes>. fabulous. <laughs> Congratulations. So yes. Yes. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> that's that's the, the whole beauty that against all odds, against having no opportunities, having to go day after day to just survive, when people see beyond that, you know, those are all of you, the warriors who have not let circumstances put you down in life. And you are out there reaching for the stars. And, um, you know, we're here to root for all of you and cheer you on and enable and help in any way, because it's your stories that help all of us. And it's your stories that will inspire other young women like you 
to say if you all can do it, if Erica can do it, Erica's mom did it, Erica's grandma did it, why can't we do it? And and I think I, I remember, uh, you know, one of the things when we chatted, which really struck with me is that I have an image of you climbing up those steps of Adelphi. Oh, yes. Can I share the story? Please do. <laughs> okay. Um, so just to continue a little bit on what I was saying before, my brother, older brother, um, he had to make a lot of sacrifices as well. He graduated high school um, just barely, trying to meet my mother's expectations. Um, <laughs> so he graduated high school, but he also had to help with the business, help run the business as well. So he wasn't really focused on a college education. So he made that sacrifice for my mother once again. And he lives with her, with her because he's her only companion. Uh, my mother did not remarry or lives a traditional like mar- like two um, husband and a wife role. She depends right. on my older brother so greatly. That's how many Hispanic communities are. The oldest right. is always there for the mother. So he's here and he, um, Spanish supports my mother and he got a job in construction. What I found interesting was that um, he's a construction worker and he works mainly in Long Island where Adelphi is located. So he built a lot of homes, but for this project, he was working at Adelphi. He got to know the campus really well. He said it was really beautiful. Um, I got to visit um, his workplace when I was, um, I believe, 17. Um, And by then I wasn't decided on a college yet. But he told me that, yeah, when we were walking around, he said, yeah, it's really beautiful here. There's a lot of safety precautions. Um, And um, guess what? I built the plumbing here. I built the plumbing under that building. He kept pointing at different buildings. He was, he built the steps of the concrete where I walk daily. He, he built that all for me and what I think in my head. (laughs) That's amazing. So he built the steps that you, you climbed and, and graduated and achieved success. So it also shows that how, a family support is so important emotionally and in every way that um, it really is important when every single person is acknowledged along the way who has made one's dreams come true. And, and it's such a beautiful story of what uh, you have just shared with us, where you've climbed those very steps that your brother laid the path for you. So yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. And, mm-hmm. and, and would you share with us your future plans going forward? Uh, my future plans, um, I really hope that I can become a great lawyer of immigration. Um, I was hoping that I could become a lawyer so that I can support my family financially and also support the other people like her who came here so brave and need help the most. And I can give that compassion and give that help to someone in need. I also was thinking of doing um, work in NGOs, work in helping um, poor women in Latin America or South Asia develop their businesses. And I found it very interesting. I always do my research papers on women and gender and how, you know, um, these economic inequalities are are not not only letting themselves down, but also letting the country down because they're not using the the willpower and skills of women in, in the economy, in business. So that's what I'm really interested in doing, either those two options. And I now recognize how that that is like so deep in, into my own history and, and inspiration of my mother. I think that's amazing. And you have all of life ahead of you. 
being in your early 20s, we can see you now going to fly and uh, look forward to having you help many other people who need the help, both for women's empowerment and immigration and uh, you know foreign relations, political science will take you a long way. And uh, thank you so much, Erica, for joining us and sharing your story. And we are looking forward to seeing what all you achieve and help everyone else along the way. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ms. Bisay. Um, I love sharing my story with you. Um, and I'll always be here to talk about anything that you'd like to talk about. Absolutely. <laughs> and you love sharing more than that, more than yeah. talking. I see you are sharing and weaving a web for all families to benefit. And the world is a global family. If we really do believe in that, there is no such thing as caste, culture, religion, economic money. The only religion is humanity. And if we remember that, a lot of our issues would disappear. Yes, that's very so, true. Thank you so much, Erica, and we look forward to seeing you again. Yes, yeah, thanks so much, Ms. Bisay. Take, Take care. care. Absolutely. Absolutely.